thanks for joining us today. Uh, today we have with us a special guest. It's uh, Kip Katsourales, who is one of the leaders at Magic Fuel Games. This is a company that builds SimCity-like games for mobile platforms. And we talked a little bit about the secret of uh, building your own cities and why is it so popular. We discussed how to hire great people. And we talked a little bit about what's going to happen with our industry in the next five years. First of all, I thank you for, for joining and finding the time. Uh, but before we kind of jump in, can you do like a little intro about yourself and about your company? What do you guys do? Um, what products are you building? That kind of thing. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, my name is Kip Katsarellis. Um I'm Chief Product Officer at Magic Fuel Games. Uh, I've been in the games industry for probably a little over 20 years, um, mostly at Electronic Arts um, and, and Maxis in particular. Um, I was I worked on the Sims franchise, Spore, um, and then was executive producer on the last SimCity PC game and expansion pack. And um, that's where Magic Fuel was sort of formed. So we, um, majority of the, the founders, uh, the, the founders at the time, we all worked at Maxis. We had been working together for a long time. Um, they, um, as you know, they, they closed our studio kind of after um, SimCity 2013 was released. We released an expansion and then we were working on actually uh, exploring some mobile products at that time. And um we all kind of lived together and, and carpooled together. And uh, we, we were you know, sort of the heads of, of that studio and, and, you know, thought we had some really good uh, people and uh, we all worked together, complemented each other really well. And we formed Magical Games. Uh, it was, it was um, founded by CSUN Games in China. Um, and we've been really focused on, on mobile uh, products. And we've got our first game was Fort Stars. It's sort of a, uh, build battle game, uh, and that's on um, App Store and and iOS. Um, and and we were, had already been investigating, I guess, a, a little bit into that that build battle space, and kind of carried that over uh, with us. And um, thought there was a nice blend of hey, there's some city building kind of elements there. Oh, and it's got this kind of combat side, which is really cool and kind of new for us. And and that's where Fort Star sort of came from. And and we. Uh, published that with Playstack, um, and then after that, we were we worked on um, a cooking game, <laughs> believe it or not. So, uh, love cooking, um, and that was sort of a, a cooking simulation, um, fun little you know, mix ingredients together and and make really kind of photo quality you know stuff you'd want to share uh, with your friends, uh, little plates, um, and. And then the other game we worked on was sort of um, you know, after Fort Stars was World Warbots, and that that was another uh, revenge battler, but with big giant uh, robots. Um, and that that's available again on the App Store. Um, and lately, we've kind of gone back to our roots, which is is really city builders and simulation. And and now we're, we've been working on a, sort of an unannounced uh, title in that space. So I have kind of like a general question, and probably. Uh... Will Wright is the is a better person uh, to to answer, but let's put yourself in his shoes. Um, what do you feel is the sick secret of popularity of like city building genre? Because 
it seems like this, um, it, these kind of games since SimCity, they have been around in for since forever in different forms and variations, on mobile and on PC and on consoles everywhere. What do you feel are like these things that really, you know, tick with people that they want to play more of those titles? Right, right. Yeah, I, and I work with Will quite a bit on on a few projects, um, and, he, and he'd probably have his own uh, unique answer. Um, for for me, I, I think it's a couple things. I think it's um, you know they're they're sort of god games. You know, everybody wants to um, you know be empowered, be the god, and and command uh, little tiny digital people. Um, I think there's just something uh, appealing about that. Um, I think we all live in, in cities where, you know, you live somewhere, you've been somewhere, it's, it's, you know, some small, some, some large, some famous, some not. Um, and, and I think there's a natural, you understand sort of how cities work. Um, there's um, kind of the functional side of them. There's the, the politics, there's the uh, social um, side of things. And, and I think there's a desire to want to kind of recreate your own world in a way. And, and I think city builders really give players that power uh, and that ability to kind of create um, their own worlds, be it, um, you know, a, a perfect utopia or, or maybe something that's uh, not quite there or, you know, rec recreating, you know, the city that you live in. Um, so I just think that there, there's something that could relate to really anyone, um, both gamers and, and even non-gamers. When you think of um, this genre kind of moving to different platforms, because I remember I used to play a lot of SimCity on uh, on a computer, but then I think at a time EA decided to do like a social media version of it for Facebook. And for like almost a year, my entire Facebook was covered in people asking for some resources or some other messages like on on the feed. And you were kind of pushing this genre on mobile. Like what are kind of the fundamental things that stay the same? And what are the things that are changing when you're kind of shift, shifting from one platform to another? Right. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, if we're talking about mobile in particular, um, I think what the mobile gamer wants, at least in the West, um, in, in Western markets is, is a pretty different experience than what you're looking for on your PC. Um, you know, on your PC, you're looking for something where you could sit uh, in front of your, your computer for hours, um, and, and really kind of get lost in uh, whatever, whatever game you're, you're playing. Um, and on, on mobile, it's a little bit more, um, you know, people are looking for um, a quick escape, uh, a time killer, um, really just to relax. And so um, I think the the experience doesn't necessarily translate. You know, you, I don't think you could take, and, and actually EA did this. We, we, we made some city deluxe. We brought that over onto, onto mobile and it, it didn't do too well. Um, it was just too complex. Um, but but you're looking for, I think you're still looking for all the, uh, if we're talking about city builders in particular, you know, um, I, you know, I want to make a unique city. I want to make something that fills, um, I created it. It looks like a big city. It looks like it's busy and alive. Um, but I want to do that in a very simple way. I want to be able to do that in short periods of time. 
Um, I don't want to read a manual on how to how to play the game, so I need a really nice, easy onboarding experience, and I need controls and and, and gameplay that's that um, you know it's just something I could kind of very intuitive, something I could pick up and just play. Um, where again on on PC, you're 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 probably looking at a little bit more powerful tools and um, you know more more creation, more depth in in the simulation, more more depth in the the stats, the data, you know everything. Where um, you know I think on mobile, uh, at least what I, what we've seen so far is is um, that's not quite what they're looking for. Maybe in in other markets, maybe in in China, um, where they do spend hours on hours on their mobile devices, uh, that could work. But but on, in the West, not so much. We'll be back after a quick break. Ever thought modern video games should be more interesting? At the Gaming Blender, we take randomized genres, mechanics, and make a new game every episode. I've added permadeath. We have a survival game of a hardcore simulation, which could be House Flipper, and with the permadeath of XCOM. Then that all has to be an action adventure. Yes. Ooh, dear. Yes. And sometimes it doesn't quite work. And you have, you have a construction off over the course of the of the narrative. A construction off. The <laughs> way the way we can do this is that we ditch your idea entirely. Entirely. Check out the Gaming Blender on all your favorite podcast platforms now. So when you're talking about these uh, shorter sessions and kind of like a different perspective of what does the player want off from this platform? Um, my experience is like whenever you're trying to download a game similar to that, it's basically um, it has to look a certain way. That's that that that, that that's kind of like my takeaway. It has to look a certain way, like maybe stylized, cute, uh, something in that direction. Sometimes they do very nice kind of pixel art kind of um, strategies and so on. In, in terms of visual design in general, um, what are kind of like the biggest challenges or problems or, you know, tricks or trips or something of building assets for these particular types of games, but for mobile? Because it seems like it's, it's a tiny screen, you don't really see much, it has to really pop, and it has to look like this ant farm where everything's kind of moving, right? Um, how do you kind of approach this? Like, what are the elements? How do you build this feeling of a sprawling city on a on a smaller screen? Right. Um, definitely, definitely challenges. Um, and, and you also have devices of, um, you know, you're talking about a lot of low-end devices that you, you need the game to work on. So that that's actually a, a huge consideration. Um, battery life, you know, these, these type of things. So, um, I, you know, I, I think, yes, you do see a lot of the kind of um, more stylistic uh, art style, the, the pixel art, you know, does really well. But you've also seen really kind of high quality, um, you know, triple, I'd call them triple A uh, graphics uh, on, on mobile as well. And I think there is an expectation for that these days. Um, I think you know SimCity build it was was gorgeous. Um, they they used a lot, a lot of our assets from the 2013 PC game actually, and it came out quite beautiful. Um, and so I think you got a, a range of actual you know, art styles that 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 could work on there. But um, 
yeah, I, I think, yeah, making things work across all the different devices is, is a huge challenge. Um, I think lighting's always a challenge, um, you know, getting shadows to look right um, and, and a, a nice day-night cycle, you know, these, these things are challenging. And, and just, you know, for city builders in particular, they're, they're so complex. Like you said, they're little, these little ant farms of um, there's, there's sort of macro level detail that you need to care about. How does the city look from the rooftops, the skyline to, hey, I want to get in there and look at, at the city and sort of the people and, and things moving around. And you, you need to, as a, as a game designer developer, you need to make choice, you know, the right choices on, okay, what are the things I care about? Because you, you only could do so much. Um, make those things visually pop and, and, um, and, and kind of pick your battles. And, and you'll see, you know, I, I know for us, we, we look at the, you know, you've got the buildings themselves, but then the, the props, you know, on the roofs and the signage and, and those things are really important and give a lot of character to, to these inanimate um, buildings. Um, and then, you know, you also want to kind of take care of that enclosed scene as well. Um, so, you know, we look at things like vignettes and, and you know, we want to see, you know, draw people in the streets and, and cars moving around and those kind of things. And, and we just try to find that nice balance between the two. Okay, so you mentioned that you worked in kind of a lot uh, of companies and you spend a lot of time at EA, which is like this big, huge uh, conglomerate, a lot of different studios and they're hundreds of different popular franchises came out of that studio um, and you mentioned that you work with Wright and uh, kind of like this visionary that created the whole genre and almost like changed the entire industry. The Sims were for like bestsellers for I don't know a decade probably on the best-selling game. My question is uh, talking about these challenges that you're trying to solve on mobile with your team and thinking about your experience um, back in EA, what do you feel were the major changes in the way that uh, video game developers create games? Like what are the things that changed, you know, drastically compared to the good old days? Um, well, the good old days are, are probably still around in some places. I mean, for us, Personally, we, we went from, you know, EA, uh, lots of resources, big teams, you know, um, 100 plus, you know, folks um, across multiple studios, multiple time zones to, um, you know, smaller, smaller dev teams, you know, typically the mobile studios are, you know, in the 25 um, person range. Um, I think, I think we got up to a little bit above 30, um, but it's, it's, you know, um, kind of doing doing more with less, I guess, um, really having um, people who aren't so much really just focused on one thing, you know, um, looking for folks that have multiple skill sets, um, who can wear a lot of hats, um, who are um, self-driven um, and, and um, really look, you know, professionals who, 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 who know what we're trying to get done and are capable of getting those things done. Um, and yeah, I, th I think for us, it's just the, that shift from kind of smaller, leaner, quicker, faster um, versus, hey, we've got you know, massive teams, massive resources, um, huge marketing departments, um, which you know, ha ha all those things have their own challenges as well. 
So what are kind of the things that allowed to do these incredible titles with smaller teams at this day and age? Like we speak a lot on 80 level about um, the technology that is kind of becoming more accessible as well as probably hardware, although it's still kind of pretty expensive, but you can buy a, a pretty nice computer. You can get a free version of, let's say, Unity and you start tinkering and building something. And there are like numerous examples, like there are indie licenses for Houdini, there are indie licenses for Maya, there are, there are licenses that are not as expensive for, let's say, Adobe tools and so on. Um, apart from tools, are there any other things that kind of uh, made game development kind of more accessible? Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned Unity. I guess that, that's that's a huge um, change, and in, in that that's what we use, you know. And, and there's other game engines out there now that that you know. When you're talking about you know, when Sims was first formed, you know, these things didn't exist. So um, you know, they they've got um, pipelines and, 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 you know, graphic engine that's proven and they've got their team of engineers that are helping with bugs. And, um, that's a huge advantage, um, you know, that versus when you're, you're working on your kind of own homebrewed, um, tech pipelines, things like that. So, um, you know, and there, there's companies out there that offer full backends now. And, um, you know, so, so all that is, is, um, really helpful and, and, and allows us to kind of, move quicker um, in this space for sure. You, you talked a little bit about the people whom you hire and uh, mentioned that these guys should have kind of like a, more of a jack-of-all-trades uh, mentality, being generalists, trying to solve uh, different challenges, not just kind of concentrating on one um, unique problem like they sometimes do in bigger companies where they have like one guy who's just doing textures, right, materials, and like one guy who's just doing like animation. Um, do you have, so, and the question is like, how do you find those people? Where do you look for them? Um, how do you know if he's gonna be kind of like this jack of all trades kind of person that fits into your team? Right, um, I, I mean, I don't know if we have, have a magic uh, <laughs> a secret sauce to, to find that, you know, we, we um, post our jobs in all the normal places and, um, and we could find those guys and, and those, those, those folks. And um, we do our own, you know, screening and, and testing to, to really understand um, their breadth of knowledge and, and really, you know, okay, you said, you know, you know, um, these things and, and okay, let's prove it. We'll, we'll, we'll do tests depending on what the role is, of course. Um, but also, you know, it goes, you know, we, we also hire more junior folks who um, might have the aptitude, right? So, so they may have come from, um, they might have been a blizzard, uh, a modeler at blizzard, you know, and that's all they did was um, they, they really focused on you know, this one very particular <laughs> area of the game or, 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 or just modeling. And, um, work with them to expand their their skill set and um, offer them not only um, we have folks you know in house that could, could train them um, give them the um, give them goals and, and and tasks that are kind of in, in new spaces really kind of push them but also give them you know allow them to get some training out out outside of uh, magic fuel so um, 
yeah, and and there really needs to be a willingness though from on their side as well. Not everybody wants to do all those things, you know. They sometimes they, they really want to, you know. I, I'm a 2D, you know, concept artist, and I like you know drawing with with pencil, um, and and that's just what I want to do, and and that's fine, you know. Um, but you know, it's it's really they've got to want to kind of um, you know take on. Uh, new roles and try new things and it's always uncomfortable right you know it, you, you've been a master at this one thing and that's great you know going going kind of outside of your your skill set um doesn't always feel right you know it, it's challenging and it's new and and, and kind of scary so um, we, we try to encourage uh, people to kind of expand past that I, I often hear from some of our readers where the work of these big companies, like let's say they're doing like Call of Duty franchise, right? And it's basically the same thing they're doing like guns. And it's just like guns, tanks or whatever. And uh, I often hear people kind of get tired of it. They're like, they don't just, just thematically, they're just feeling burnt out and they want to try something else. This is like one of the reasons where they switch jobs and go to like smaller studios. And we've seen this trend like overall where they used to work <coughs> at a big company and then kind of move to a startup and trying to do like a, a little game that they just do like five people or something. Um, but probably there are other, uh, the other kind of motivators for for junior people and uh, when you're talking with these guys who are just kind of starting out or maybe they're fresh out of school um how do you kind of help them guide them around this industry and uh, around like team dynamics uh making sure that they do stuff on time like w what are like the tools that you're using to make sure that the junior people they feel okay within the studio not like super pressured and so on. And at the same time, they have kind of opportunity to grow within your company and kind of become better. Yeah, I mean, that that's kind of talking about a little bit about our onboarding process. Um, typically, um, we will we'll pair any anyone new up with a uh, mentor, um, you know, somebody in there uh, within their um, skill set um, or, or the, their job kind of role. Um, usually somebody a little bit more senior who um, can really kind of take them through the ropes. Um, let's say it's an engineer, um, really um, get caught up on our um, tool, tool stack and process, um, can buddy up uh, with, with someone. Um, we document a lot, so there's, <laughs> there's always plenty to read. And usually that first re uh, week is, you know, just getting, get set up, get familiar, um, and, and, you know, play the games, um, re, re, read the, read Confluence. Um, but also, um, we also encourage them to talk with others. So usually some one-on-ones with different people, uh, in the studio just to get, um, know who everyone is. Um, and then, you know, usually it starts out with something small, even, even, even our, you know, even our senior folks, you know, we, we usually give them a small task, you know, maybe, maybe some a bug or two um, just to get it, you know, if it's, again, if it's an engineer familiar with the code base and how, how things are done, um, but really kind of ease them in into it. Um, we've got pretty solid um, sprint process and, 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 and just how we work. Um, and, and we, we like to give them clear, clear tasks, clear ownerships of, of, of the work. They get to define the work, they get to define the time 
and and just sort of bring them bring them up you know slowly and then it, it becomes bigger and bigger uh, uh, tasks um, everybody you know you typically should be having weekly one-on-ones with your managers so if there's um, if there's ever you know hey I, I'm not you know I want to learn this or I want to I, I don't understand this thing you know that that's a great you know, forum to kind of communicate those things most people you know with, with being remote on teams you know communication flows quickly and easily you're always you know a, a private message away from anyone on the team um, doesn't matter what level um, so so communication is definitely uh, important but I think it's, it's kind of bringing people up slowly making sure that they've got all the tools uh, available to them and they feel comfortable you know to kind of move and, and jump on to the to the next thing and bigger things so you mentioned um, kind of this mentor um, program, right, that you have inside where kind of they exchange knowledge and the, I guess the mentor teaches about the company, but at the same time, the junior learns more about the kind of like tacit knowledge from the mentor. And um, my question is, how does that work in, um, in a time where it's all kind of remote work? where people are working from home or you know from another state sometimes from another country how do you guys manage this it seems like it has been a problem for many big companies like uh, Microsoft for example right they're, they're, they're really struggling with that um, how do you guys solve it and how do you approach this new mentality of kind of hybrid or remote work gotcha yeah so we just yeah obviously uh covid hit everyone um 2020 was a big change for us you know we went to full remote i think in february 2020 um and then we finally shut our our physical studio down in in may last year um and you know it definitely has its challenges but i i think it's also um opened up a lot of possibilities um, for, for people. Um, I, th I think it allows actually smaller studios like ourselves to to now compete with with a Microsoft, with a Facebook, with a Google who are building these incredible campuses. Um, you know, how somebody like us uh, supposed to compete, you know, our, our, our hallmark um, kind of go to was like, hey, we, our studios above Drake's Brewery, you know, <laughs> And some people really like that. Uh, that's about all we had. Um, but now, now we could, you know, we could offer uh, flexible work times, um, you know, work at home, and a better work-life balance. And, and in some ways, we could compete with with those other larger companies. Um, since we're smaller, I think it's it's it affords us to um, be able to give a little bit more attention. You know, I, I don't think no one gets lost. You know, there, there's, there's no one kind of falling through the cracks. And, you know, um, again, everybody's got their mentors, their managers that um, I, th I think we, we spend a lot of time uh, w with each other. Um, we try to encourage, uh, you know, we have daily stand-ups. We have a weekly kind of wrap-up. And, you know, we, it's always cameras on. Um, and it, it's really just trying to keep, you know, when, when, when it's the work, at work hours, um, you know, we kind of expect people to be on and, and there, there's just a high level of communication and engagement, I think, from the team is, is what I see uh, across the board. Um, and, and it's just it's just sort of a different way that now that we operate. But again, you know, we use we use teams now we've used we're using Slack in, in some cases as well. Um, but, you know, you're always kind of a, 
you know, a click away from, you know, starting a call and, and, and being, you know, face to face with someone. And, and yeah, we're, we do have people across the world, you know, the bulk of us are in um, kind of the West coast, but we have, you know, folks in the Philippines and in the UK, um, Korea. So yeah, um, we, we, we make it work. Um, I heard a lot of companies saying, basically kind of supporting what you, what, what you just said, like that uh, before it was very challenging to hire someone who's like of, you know, a certain caliber, uh, if they got an offer from Facebook or Google. And it, it wasn't just, um, just about a compensation or benefits, but it was a lot about all the other, like free lunches and all the other stuff. And now I, I like maybe like five days ago, I had a call with this guy who's like a senior tech artist, kind of like this unicorn um, position, right? Everybody's looking for those guys. And he said, well, I took another offer from a different company and they're just like, you know, a couple of streets away from each other. And I said, well, why did you move? Like, what were the reasoning? And he said, well, basically they allowed me to work uh, from home. So I didn't, I didn't have to go to the office at all. Like I can just work from home and it was just a better deal for me because I have like a, a kid and I want to help my wife and I want to have like a better uh, kind of work-life balance, which is, um, I don't know, it's like, uh, it's strange to me because when you have a kid and you work from home, it is, <laughs> it is kind of challenging. So my question is like when you kind of jumped into this post-COVID, you know, employee-employer relationship, um, do you feel like the stuff is taking longer to do or is it just the same or do you feel like you need to have kind of more control or maybe some other elements on, of how to engage uh, people, you know, how to make sure that they are work as a team and not just like a bunch of people with computers everywhere? Right, right. Yeah, um, I, I think it's the same, if not better now. Um, and I, I think a lot of that just goes back to some of the things you were just saying, you know, and, and it goes back to how people could have now kind of a better um, work-life balance, right? So I'm not on the road two hours a day, um, you know, just stuck in traffic and getting annoyed and getting angry and, and still have, you know, know I have, have work to do uh, to catch up, plus all, you know, everything going on at home. Um, in general, I, I feel happier. I think most most people, you know, we, we do studio surveys, feel happier. And I think if you got a happy employee, you've got a more productive employee. Um, and and I, I feel like we're, we're more productive. You've got to work differently, though. You do have to be uh, uh, communicated quite a bit on, on whatever platform you're using. Um, you, you kind of have to have that we're on uh, mentality and and an expectation, you know, if I, if I've got a question or something, you know, you, the other person's going to get back. Um, and, and I, I think it creates, you know, just, just giving people, you know, again, that kind of flexibility of their hours. Um, and Hey, you know, you've got, you know, the work you signed up to do. Get it, if you get it done, <laughs> You know, if it's if that's at midnight, twelve a.m., and you're you're you need something to do during the day, hey, that's fine. At, at the end of the week, is is the work done, and is it done to quality, and and we're happy. I think that that's the important thing, and and sort of the mind shift. I think, um, but it, it you know, 
like you said, it does make some things a little bit more challenging. Um, you know, there are times where you just wish you could be in a room with, you know, one, one or two other people drawing on a whiteboard. Um, you know, that, that, that those things are sometimes hard. And hey, you know, in our case, we're kind of lucky. A lot, a lot of us um, actually work in sort of the same kind of valley. And we've done, you know, if there's something real important comes up, we're, we're, we're able to kind of, you know, go to one person's house or, or we'll rent an office space for a day and, and get those things done if it's needed. So we have a lot of uh, people who are just starting out on the website and they might be students, or they are juniors or something like that. Um, <coughs> as an employer, right? What would you say to those people who are looking for, to get a, some kind of work? who are looking to get like a permanent position in the studio. What are the skills that they should, uh, you know, nurture, build? Is this just like the technological stuff? Maybe some, you know, soft skills? Um, what are the things that are important today on this market? Like, do you just need to be a coder to get employed? Or are there opportunities for people who do something else as well? Yeah, no, I think there's opportunities across the board, really. And I, I think what what you need to focus on might be a little bit dependent on, on you know, that role. Um, you know, coder versus an artist, for example, a producer. Um, I think, you know, the number one thing I look for, you know, and, and we, we do hire new college grads or, or, or recent college grads, um, you know, kind of what is your resume? What have you done during that time, um, you know? get out there and make games. Like there is really no, if that's what you want to do, um, there's, there's really, you know, I just think about, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, it, it was definitely harder. Um, and now again with, you know, Unity Engine, Unreal, um, there's just so many, so many ways that you could be producing something. Um, you know, if you're an artist, get out there and draw, build your portfolio, um, build, get your, your, your page up that shows off your work. Um, if you're a producer, if you want to be a producer, okay, well, I, there's a bunch of other new college grads out there. Can you, do you have what it takes to go form a little team and start, start building a game? You know, um, these are all things that you know, I think it's being a little bit self-motivated and, and trying to accomplish what you can with the, the resources you have and the time you have. And I, I think, I think that all those things are really important. Um, I also think, Try maybe try something different. You know, I'll go back to to how I started in this industry. Um, and you know, I was a technical recruiter in the late '90s, and there was a, a a crash, and I needed to find something different. And I really enjoyed games. I didn't know what I wanted to do in there. Um, I answered an ad in the Mercury News. Anybody from the Silicon Valley knows, knows the Mercury, um, and and started you know in in, in uh, QA. And, and really from the kind of the bottom up, I got lucky, you know, I, I actually used SimCity was one of my first games I loved. I, I said, that's what I was interested in. And yep, I got in with Maxis, you know, and, and grabbing coffee next to Will. Um, but, you know, that's a great way to kind of learn the industry and just get your foot in the door and, and, and meet people, uh, you know, and learn about the industry. It, there are so many different roles and, 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 you know, things you could be doing inside of games uh, to contribute to make games. Um, and, and, you know, you're young, 
<laughs> it's it's still still time to explore those things and, and and really just learn. So, um, yeah, those those are a couple things. Okay, thank you so much. I think it was very inspiring, especially having coffee with Will. I think a lot of people would uh, cut their arm and their leg for the opportunity to just exchange, <laughs> you know, some words with him. But um, so we kind of talked a little bit about these younger specialists who are moving into the industry and uh, also like people who are in the industry and how they, your career journey as well. And um, <clears throat> I have this final question, which is framed by the things that are happening around uh, the technology space in games. And I don't know, probably you've seen it like on social media or anywhere, uh, is that there is like a lot of AI generated art right now. And, uh, you know, if you're in this field, if you're like in Silicon Valley, there are like hundreds of startups that are using AI to do something in games. There's like animation done in games by AI or, you know, AI agents that control NPCs and so on and so forth. And a lot of that technology is basically used to build games, like to build environments, to create concept art, to do something else and something else. <clears throat> and of course, this sparks certain fears in the community where they don't really, you know, feel safe anymore, figuring that maybe, you know, Skynet is going to build my next game and I don't, you know, they don't really need me anymore. So from your perspective as a leader, uh, as a manager, how do you feel like you're gonna build building games in like the next five years? Like, are you gonna switch to AI tech or are there still gonna be people, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, and creating code and creating art? Yeah, I mean, in the next five years, I definitely, <laughs> I think, I think there'll always be a need for uh, real people, the human touch. Um, you know, the roles might change a little bit, um, you know, I, I even think about some of the games we've built, you know, with, with um, procedural generated maps, things like that. You still needed artists to, to create that content um, within the, the system and um, engineers to, to code it and um, designers to, to kind of set parameters, right? Um, so, so it, you know, things are getting smarter and there's, there's new technology out there that's, that is advancing and, um, but but I think there's always going to be that that need for the um, for the human touch and 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 you know fingerprint on, on the game. I, I don't see that going away. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll share the links to your studio's website in the description. And if you have some open positions, send them to us. We'll be very happy to publish them over there. Yeah, we are actually uh, looking for a server engineer and a uh, producer right now. So, Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, thank you. It was great. Thanks. Have a good one. Thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 Level Roundtable podcast. Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv slash RFP and share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.